Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, um, you know, maybe even Kevin Colbert, but certainly Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, and Anthony Weidel, um, and the rest of the Steelers, you know, emerging a new front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, and a roster, as I always like to say, a roster that will compete for a seventh Bombardi trophy. And look, since we recorded the show last week, we have had the official appointment of Omar Khan. And isn't that exciting? There's obviously some changes happening in Pittsburgh. And, you know, Kevin Colbert, as I alluded to there, will, uh, sounds like he's going to be hanging around in some sort of capacity, um, whether, you know, minor or small. We've got Dan Colbert, a director of um, college scouting now. Um, Anthony Weidel's come in from the player personnel perspective. Uh, you know, so a lot of changes going on. Brandon Hunt looks like he's going to be taking up a role um, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, kind of not surprising given, you know, there doesn't seem to really be a spot for him um, on this, you know, front office roster, if you like. Um, but, you know, excited to bring in today's show. Today's show, we're talking about the sixth round pick in pick 209 in this year's draft, Connor Haywood, younger brother of Cam. Um, a, a bit of a exciting prospect for Steel for Steelers fans to consider this season. A bit of a, a Swiss Army knife between special teams. You know, maybe he's a fourth running back, maybe he's a fullback, maybe he's a tight end, and we're going to cover that um, across the, uh, the spectrum from recent people in a similar position um, over the last few years, both from the Steelers and look at college production and his draft profile, um, as we always like to do. Um, to recap, this is this is part of a our draft series, our, our rookie series. Um, that I'm doing. And so, as everyone knows, we started off with, with the second pick, George Pickens. Then we went to DeMarvin Leal, the third pick. Um, the fourth, the, the, and these are the picks, obviously, in terms of rounds they were picked. And then the fourth round, we had um, Calvin Austin, the third. We had no fifth round pick, so we moved to Connor Haywood. Um, then we'll deal with Mark Robinson and Chris Oladukun, um, or Chris Oladukun. Yeah, I said that right. Um, and then we'll move to Kenny Pickett, and we'll finish up with Kenny Pickett before we move on to my next series, um, as well uh, of these Steelers war rooms that are focused on the draft. So with that, you know, all being said, um, and, and the teeing up, you know, for all those sorts of things. I want to start off in part one. We're going to look at similar production from fullbacks and one sort of fullback tight end that's very recently been on the Steelers and understand what they, they did through their, you know, NFL career to date. 
Um, you know, a couple of them are still playing on practice squads. One of them, you know, looks like he's retired um, as well. You know, get a feel for that because I think that sort of gives us a standard of which we can judge Connor Haywood. And it's very hard um, with a guy that's, you know, in some ways going to be an H-back or fullback. There's a lot of blocking grades. Um, that's very hard to pull up. But, you know, once you get into PFF and, you know, a lot of people don't love that. Um, take example, on Alejandro Villanueva's last season with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he had a high PFF grade, but most, and he didn't allow many sacks statistically, but, you know, a lot of people didn't feel that he held up the line that well. Um, you know, so that way, that makes those PFF blocking grades interesting. But from a, we're just going from a pure stats perspective in terms of what they did, um, because ultimately, whether they're a tight end or an H-back um, or a fullback, you know, putting special teams, you know, to one side, they they do really have to help the offense. They they have to help the offense put points on the board, um, and that's that's really really key. So, let's get straight into it. The first player that's you know that I wanted to look at was Roosevelt Nix. Um, did make a Pro Bowl in twenty seventeen. He played uh, five seasons with the Steelers. Uh, you know, in his last season, the Steelers didn't play many games. You know, he battled through some injuries. He played 60 games all up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He started 10. I mean, starting's interesting when you're in that sort of a position as well. It depends on the formations. Uh, he had 17 targets thrown toward his way for 12 receptions for 69 yards, um, one TD, uh, four first downs, a long of 19, um, a career catch rate of 70.6, but I mean, he didn't even catch 20 passes. Four rush yards, uh, you know, from that perspective. So, you know, it, it, it's really hard when you look at a guy like, like a Roosevelt Knicks, a Rosie Knicks, um, and, and sort of what he, he sort of did because you see, you know, well, it's hard from a stats perspective. Um, you know, he did play as saver to special teams, um, but that was more focused in 2018. He had even had a kick return that year um, from that perspective. Offense, he never played more than 20% of the snaps in any of the seasons he played with the Steelers. Uh, he did manage to play them in more than half um, the special team snaps, though, according to um, the pro football reference um, from that perspective. Then we look at a guy like Derek Watt, who's obviously on the roster right now, who play, has had two seasons now in Pittsburgh after playing in San Diego and then when the Chargers moved to LA, over to LA. He's played 93 games in his career. Uh, he's played 29 of those um, with the Steelers now. Uh, he started four games for the Steelers. In his, and we're going to look at his career overall. He's had 20 um, rushing attempts for 50 yards. That, that's really not many. For one TD, 12 first downs. Um, he's had 16 targets in his career for 13 receptions. That's an 81.3% catch rate for 167 yards, um, zero TDs and five first downs, a long of 53. Um, that came for, for San Diego. And I think that might have even been the first game he even played. I think when I went back and had checked a highlight or two out of his. Um, so that's quite interesting from that perspective. Again, someone that we, you know, I think Jeffrey Benedict um, or Dave Scofield in the recent weeks has talked about him on their shows. You know, he's played, you know, plus 60% of the special team snaps in all but one season, um, that, you know, which was 2018. He's, he's never played more than 20% of the offensive snaps for any team he's played with. He's never broken 15. He's only broken 15 once in 2018, and he's not even played you know, more than 8% of the snaps since he joined the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. So it, it's easy to side with fans that sort of sit there and say, oh, they, they you know, 
I don't, I know this is, you know, actually what they did, but it's easy to understand fans who say, oh, they've only got him because, you know, it helped them, you know, TJ sign another contract and da 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 da. Look, Derek Watt does do, do some good things on special teams. And this is the sort of thing where this sort of a contribution from him, he's cheaper than Tyler Matakevich would be. It is on special teams and it's something you judge off tape, not by stats on the board. But again, that being said, like, Every position in my mind is is up for grabs, um, and you know he's not doing a hell of a lot. And I don't think, you know, no one professes him to be the potential athlete um, or the potential contributions of a Connor Haywood. He's got three inches on Connor Haywood um, from that perspective. They're not too far off the off the same weight there. Um, I think there's like four pounds or five pounds, you know, between them. Um, so that's pretty interesting from that perspective. Uh, you know. Derek Watts Young, I think he's got one or two years left on his deal. I didn't, I didn't pull that up for the purposes of this. But the main thing was to basically say, look, look Derek Watts' production has been limited. Um, so that's the thing that you've, you, you've got to consider uh, from, from that perspective. You then look at a guy like Jalen Samuels. Now, this is a better fit, I think, for Connor Hay- with Connor Haywood. Connor Haywood's 5'11", uh, 230 pounds. Um, Jalen Samuels is six foot, um, 225 pounds. So again, you start off there looking at the sizing. You know, you're starting to see, you know, some some comparisons. You look at what um, Jalen Samuels did at NC State uh, as well, and that sort of role, and you can clearly see a linkage um, in terms of how the Steelers might you know, look to use Connor Haywood. Jalen Samuels was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the fifth round, 165th overall. Um, he was listed as an H-back going into the combine. I know this, I talk about this all the time. Uh, and then he came out as considered a tight end, but then when he was drafted, it was kind of considered him as like a running back. Um, he wore that number 38 jersey. So he's listed in pro football reference as a running back, um, which is quite interesting. He played three seasons in Pittsburgh, 2018, 19, 20. Last year, he played with Houston. So he's played 45 games in his career to date, started eight for 136 rush attempts for 468 yards, one TD, one long um, of 23, sorry, 23 first downs, which is quite a significant number of first downs and a long of 25. Um, His fate received, had 104 targets, 85 receptions for 564 yards, four TDs, 32 first downs um, with with a career catch rate of 81.7%, yards per target of 5.4. He's basically had 221 um, touches in his career in the NFL for 4.7 yards um, per touch, over 1,000 yards from the line of scrimmage. He's had two fumbles. Um, so that that's kind of interesting from that perspective. When you look at it as well, uh, you know, in terms of the the snap counts that he's had, I'm just pulling that up. He's played, you know, any as low as twenty percent of the special team snaps, which was last year in Houston, as high as forty percent for the Steelers in 2019. Uh, he's played. You know, then 319 out of season high for offensive um, snaps of 42%. Now we know the running back challenges that we had with Connor going out and Snell was injured at times. Then like we were using guys, um, you know, like um, Kareth White and those sorts of players in 2019 um, as well. We, we struggled at the tight end position. You know, the fullback, I think Rosie Nix was injured because, yeah, we had Derek Watt come in after that. Um, you know, he played a quarter of the snaps in his rookie year um, from an offensive perspective, and it's never really garnered much, much more than that. Um, so that's Jalen Samuels. And this is a guy that I think 
you look at the stats that we talked about there, you know, over a thousand yards from the line of scrimmage in less than four seasons. Um, he's never played a full season. Uh, you know, he's never played more than 14 games. You know, he was used, you know, a bit all over the place for the Steelers, uh, you know, under 500 yards. He obviously had that fantastic game um, against the, against it was the Panthers um, as well, that which was back in 2018, I think off the top of my head. Um, so that's, that's quite exciting from that perspective. That was a Thursday night color rush where they, they smashed them, um, scored a heap of points. I think it was the last, that was the biggest Steelers win we've seen, you know, in a long time. Um, but that's, that's Jalen Samuels. So I think it's interesting to look at his NFL career, um, and what he's done over four seasons. And, and that sort of sets the stage, um, you know, for Connor Haywood. But it's one thing to, compare the NFL stats of these guys and, and, and sort of tee up where Connor Haywood might be sitting. Um, I thought I'd interestingly look at Derek Watt and uh, from that perspective in terms of what he was able to do uh, in college as well. And, and we'll do that for Jalen Samuels too, because I think that that's quite interesting because um, that helps you sort of get a feel for, you know, really like, Yes, they did this stuff in the NFL, but what do they do in college? How does that contextualize what Connor Haywood did? So from a Derek Watt perspective, played at Wisconsin for four seasons, um, for 30 receptions. Uh, he played in 30 games um, for 100, 309 yards, an average of 10.3, one TD. Um, that's on the receiving side of things. 13 rushing attempts for 60 yards. Um, so it's it's not it's not huge there. Um, it's it's 43 offensive, you know, plays from scrimmage line, um, non-blocking uh, for 369 yards and one TD. Not, nothing crazy there. They don't pro football references college site doesn't log um, special team snaps at a college level. So that's kind of where we have to leave it there. Um, but when you look at Jalen Samuels back in NC State, he had a much more prolific career. He played for four seasons, 2014 through 2017. Um, he had 201 receptions uh, across 50 games um, for 1,850 yards. So he's averaging um, 40 receptions uh, per season, uh, but he played 11 games in 2014 and then had 13 each year thereafter. Um, he had 19 TDs, and this is all receiving. Um, rushing attempts, 182 for 1,107 yards, an average of 6.1, 28 touchdowns. So that's 383 offensive plays non-blocking um, from the line of scrimmage um, for just shy of 3,000 yards, 2,958, um, an average of 7.7 and 47 TDs. So that's a much better production um, and, and and the alignment. Now, he was listed as tight end the whole time. He wasn't listed as fullback, and that's the key thing to note. Um, because in Connor Haywood, we've got someone that's kind of this triumvirate of, of, of a tight end, a running back, and a fullback. Um, but that sort of sets the stage. 1,851 yards, 201 receptions, 182 um, attempts for rushing, 1,107 yards, 28 TDs. Um, pretty impressive. We shift over to, over to Connor, Haywood's, Connor Haywood's production in Michigan. Now, he played five years there. Um, the first four listed as a running back, particularly the first two, if you look at some of the other stats that we've got for him. Uh, and then you look at his, and then the last season he was listed as a tight end. He played uh, there in 23. He played in 45 games with 211 um, attempts rushing for 825 yards. So he had more attempts 
um, than Jalen Samuels, but he had a thousand less yards, um, an average of 3.9 as well versus an average of 9.2, 19 TDs for Jalen Samuels, only five for Connor Haywood. Receptions, he had 96 compared to, um, sorry, I lie. Rushing attempts, Connor Haywood had 211, sorry, because they've swapped this in the years and the order these stats come in. Connor Haywood had 211 rushing attempts, 825 yards, an average of 3.9, five TDs. Jalen Samuels, just recapping, had 182 t- rushing attempts for 1,107 yards, an average of 6.1 and 28 TDs. So the, there is a vast difference um, there in, in that production. Jalen Samuels on the receiving side, as I said, had 201 receptions, 1,851 yards, 9.2 average, 19 TDs. Connor Haywood had 96 receptions, just 96. um, So half that, 711 yards, um, 7.4 average. So the average is also a little bit below what Jalen Samuels had. Um, And Connor Haywood had six TDs versus the 19 that Jalen Samuels had. Now, you look at NC State and they're going to use their better players. They're going to have to scheme people open. You look at Michigan State, you know, um, you know, I think it was Kenneth Gainwell um, that was there or, or Kenneth Walker, sorry, um, that was there that got drafted, you know, quite high. You look at what Michigan State did overall with their players, you know, better competition than NC State as well. Like Connor Haywood is, was used all over the place um, as well, disrupted by covid um, you know, so that's why he, you know, he had five seasons there, you know, used in different roles. It's very hard with these sorts of guys um, as well. And, you know, he was someone that was transitioning position too. But as I said, contextually, it's, it sort of sets a bit of a standard um, there in terms of, you know, college production. But with that, that's going to wrap up part one of this week's show. Join me for part two. We can have a look, a quick look at Connor Hayward's profiles. We're going to have a look at his offensive grades and his snaps as well and where he lined up. We've talked the statistical side, but we're going to look at, as I say, some grades, his snaps, and sort of determine what this might mean for how he could be used in a Canada offense um, as he makes his way into the NFL. And we're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Anthony Weidel, Dan Colbert, Art Rennie II, and the rest of the Steelers front office is able to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. So before I get into part two, as always, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your nonstop shop, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, but it's BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Um, that's where you'll find great articles and all about and breaking news about all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you can listen to Behind the Steel Curtain and our network and family of podcasts on any platform that you listen to good podcasts. We're on everything, um, you know, or at least all like the big names. Uh, but if you're on iTunes and you haven't done it before, give us a comment. It really helps us promote us to other like-minded Steeler fans. Um, and on Spotify, give us a rating as well. That's really cool. I We know that a, the vast, more than half of our listeners are on the iTunes side of things, iTunes and or Apple podcast side of things. Um, I am a Spotify, a Steelers 
behind the steel curtain Spotify listener. I know Jeff Hartman's the same. Um, that's how I like to consume it. That helps me. I like that platform, you know, so on and so forth. But, you know, if you're on Pandora, Anchor, Stitcher, all that sort of stuff, I know um, it's there. It's also embedded on the website, so you can quickly play a link there. So for whatever reason you're charging your phone and you need it on the background, open up a web browser, there you go. Um, if you want to share it with a Steeler fan that you don't think knows how to necessarily work um, Spotify, but can work a web browser, that helps too. Um, so that's all pretty cool stuff. But look, back to Connor Haywood. Um, so in part one, we talked a little bit about other Steelers players that have played similar positions um, or are playing similar positions to what Connor Haywood's doing. Um, there were guys that I wanted to look at, like Carl Juszczyk, um out of San Francisco and what have you. But, you know, even when you look at like a Patrick Ricard, at, uh, you know, at the Ravens, but they're all doing slightly different things. And so it's important to contextualize that with how the Steelers used fullbacks, even though we, or H-backs or, or, or tight ends, particularly when you think about the fact that the Steelers, yes, they've changed the offense too. So that, that sort of brings in a few challenges, but interesting perspective to look at Roosevelt, Knicks, Jalen Samuels, particularly, um, and also factor in Derek Watt. So as I said, in part two, we're going to look at some snap grades, um, or, you know, sorry, some snap grades, some the snap counts for Connor Haywood to get an idea of how the Steelers or where the Steelers might use him, have a look at his offensive grades. But first, I wanted to do a little, little rewind back to the draft and his draft profile. You know, Connor Haywood uh, was TDN's, um, one of TDN's prospects. He was their 222nd pick overall. We picked him at 209. Um, they had him there. You know, 5'11", 233, 23 with a 40-yard dash of 472 from the combine, a vertical of 32.5, hand size of 9.5, so bigger than Kenny Pickett's. Um, he didn't do the broad jump. He didn't do the cone, three-cone drill, the shuttle, um, and his wingspan is 76.25 inches. Uh, when they looked at him from an overall profile perspective, 21-21 season, 35 receptions, 326 yards, two TDs, 9.314 yards per reception. That was his most productive year. And we saw that on the uh, sports reference you know, side as well um, in terms of what he was able to do with three, that 326 yards, the you know seven yards um, rushing. So the 326 he had was, was all receiving. Um, and that's important to note there, that shift to tight end. Uh, you know, that we didn't, when we talked about Jalen Samuels as well, like he was able to do that consistently, but he always played um, as a tight end. So there's a difference there in that, and that switch of position, you know, from a fullback or, or even running back to the start of Connor Haywood's career into being a tight end. Um, when they look at his prospect summary, they took him about being an admirable story. You know, they talked about that transition. Um, they, they questioned whether he had the high-level physical tools, um, but he wins ugly in his role. He does the tough stuff. You know, we know that from Brian, Brian Bold. Thing, he sort of said, like, look, could you, everyone, every team needs a Connor Hayward. Someone's prepared to do the dirty stuff. He was consistent. He was a key player in Michigan State's explosive offense. Um they said he's going to need a, they projected that he would need to, this is the draft network, that he would need to find a home where he can continue to win ugly. Kind of sounds like the Pittsburgh Steelers, if we think over the last five years, um, playing on special teams and executing a lot of dirty work in an offensive system that looks to add onto the blocking surface in both the run and the pass game with untraditional alignments. Now, Canada, um, you know, and this is why KT Smith talked about Austin and, and Hayward being the, the two last pieces of the puzzle um, for the Matt Canada offense. Go check that article out. We talked about that 
um, you know, recently, um, last week with the Calvin Austin pick. If you haven't, if that didn't prompt you to read the article and you haven't read it or you want to read it again, go back and read it. KT Smith, um, you'll find that there, you know, I think it's titled, um, you know, R. Austin and Haywood, the, the last missing or missing pieces of the Matt Canada offense. They said they love the story about and Haywood is a highly committed player on the field, making him a proper investment late in the draft for his ability to fulfill a handful of roles and play special teams. They talked about his ideal role being special teams ace and move piece in backfield alignments, scheme tendencies, a play action heavy 12 personnel approach. I don't think that surprises anyone. His best game that they they watched was Penn State against Penn State. The worst game was against Ohio State. Um, they talked about his plucky hands, and I think you saw that at the combine, so he can make difficult catches. Um, you know, his route running is probably a little bit raw, but they said it's understandably so when you think about the transition from running back to tight end. Um, you know, he has been flexed in the slot um, as well at times. You know, they talked about versatility, and he's got a heck. They 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 use these words, heck of a resume. He returned punts and kicks early on in his career. Two thirty plus reception seasons on his resume has a five hundred yard plus rushing season on his resume, and is now being charged with a blocking role and completely transitioning to a role player at tight end. He's got competitive toughness, ball skills. He showed an ability there. You know, this his catch radius works enough. Um, you know, blocking skills that's a work in progress, but I think. You know, I've talked about this before. I think the Steelers can teach people how to block. I mean, look at what Juju did to a guy like Perfect. Um, football IQ, four-year running back switching to tight end, you know, opens up, you know, the door for some growing pains, and you still see that, but he's got appeal in special teams. So that's in regards to his football IQ. They talked about price protection um, and how he can identify pressure, pressure opportunities, um, but he's best when he's aligned to, from blocking in the backfield to scan protection responsibilities and then step into contact. Um, he's got enough size and enough to pop stun runners, attack in the pocket, and has the right temperament to fill a role here. Again, I think this is something that the Steelers can make him a lot better at. Um, that's awesome. Um, he's got real true field vision and aggressiveness. They highlighted that. I think that shows on tape. They gave him a fifth round value as well um, with a 70 overall grade. Um, you know, that's, you know, a whole round ahead of where the Steelers got him. Um, they said, look, Hayward's not going to be someone who shines a receiver and his role's complementary. Um, it will definitely be a ceiling. Um, there's not going to be crazy chunk plays, but he's something that you, you know, kind of what Balding has said. They inferred that, you know, he's someone that you want on your overall you know, team. And I think that's that's the important thing. Like Connor Hayward, team player. That's what we want to build these steals around. And that's what we need from someone when we don't have a clear, you know, depth chart at running back. We don't have a clear third or fourth tight end. So we don't have a clear fourth, you know, fourth running back. We don't have, you know, Derek what does things on special teams. If you think about fullback, there's a limited ceiling there and he's 29 years old. Like he's an injury away from it. It's not happening anymore. Perfect time to draft Connor Hayward. You know, Dave Schofield, we all quote this about, you know, the seventh round being the guys, you know, the UDFAs that you don't want someone to go elsewhere. Like Connor Hayward in the right system is a fifth round draft pick. In the wrong system, he goes undrafted. Um, we got him in the sixth round. You know, I thought he, I, he, he, surprised, he positively surprised me. I thought he was worth the, a sixth or a seventh rounder, but he positively surprised me at the scouting combine. And I think that's a massive plus. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. But then let's look at what, you know, PFN had to say about Connor Haywood because, you know, it's one thing to really sit there and go through, um, you know, what the driver normally does, but what about another team um, or of scouts? So PFN, 
had Connor Haywood as their 279th player overall, uh, you know, there by in their consensus group. Um, Tony Pauline, who we know spoke to Jeff Hartman right before the draft, he had Connor Haywood there at 210 on his prospect list. So um, obviously a, a lot further up the board, ahead of guys like Letitia Smith, um, Tyler Batty, the, uh, the running back taken out of Missouri. Uh, that, that's worth noting there too uh, from that perspective. Um, Ian Cummings had him there as his 277th best player overall, but ranked at, at the tight end position. Um, from Tony Pauline in, in his scouting of the Big Ten, um, he said positives. Large, athletic college tight end coming off a terrific senior season, displays himself to be an offensive threat, quickly gets off the line and scrimmage into pass routes, immediately gets to top speed and splits the seam as a pass catcher, gets vertical, snatches the ball from the air and displays good hand-eye coordination, keeps the play in bounds after the catch and breaks multiple tackles to pick up positive yardage, runs solid routes for a big man, extends his hand to make the catch. Negatives. Must improve his blocking techniques to and learn to finish off opponents. Lacks the ideal size, specifically around height, that you need in a tight end, which is going to make his job challenging. But make this he's this classic H back. Um, analysis. Oh, classic H back. You know me adding that in. Um, that analysis is Haywood comes off a terrific senior campaign. Now projects as a, projects as a day three pick after receiving street free agent grades from scouts before the season began. He's sort of an in-between skill player who lacks the height of a tight end and speed for a running back. His best spot would be lining up as a West Coast fullback for an offense that employs the position. That's what Derek Walt was playing at the Chargers. So, you know, I, I see definitely the fit there if the Steelers are going to bring a guy like that in. Um, you know, but that's their overall scouting profile. So you sit there and you go, well, hang on. Okay, cool. We talked about the stats for Connor Haywood. We talked about the these draft profiles for Connor Haywood. Where did he line up? when it came to a college level, where do you line up? And, you know, you know, and then we can talk about as well, what those grade, you know, what the grades the PFF gave him at, at four key, four, five key things, offensive pass, pass block, run and run block. Um, so he played 14, eight, 1480 snaps overall um, in college, according to PFF. Now, 649 of those were pass, were considered pass snaps. 226 were considered pass block, 214 were considered run plays, 391 were considered run block. Now, that's cool, and that that's great, and that helps us understand a little bit more about what he did. Um, now, we know that he obviously transitioned from running back to tight end. We, oh, I think we've all, we've all got that one down pat. That's great because, like, fine, if he lines up somewhere, he catches a ball, that becomes a pass play. Or if you block someone, um, he doesn't get open, that's a pass block play. If he, if he doesn't run it, then there's the run block play, you know, and even if he's blocking to someone else, particularly that you're playing more of a fullback role or quarterback scrambling. But I'm more interested in where he lined up because just because what you have, as I talked about, those, those numbers talk about what eventuated and, and what was classification. But what about where Connor Haywood actually lined up? So in the backfield, he lined up 118 snaps in 2021, 228 in 2020, 93 in 2019, 417 in 2018, and 15 in 2017 for a total of 871 backfield snaps. Now, remember, as I say, he can be, he sort of starts to transition to being tight end his last two really last year on its own. He lined up in the slot. 116 um, times in 2021, 
six in 2020, two in 2019, 43 times in 2018, and six in 2017 for 173 slot snaps. He lined up in line, um, 377 snaps in 2021, one snap in 2020, six in 2019, and then none in 2018 or 2017. Now, that makes sense because he would have been in the backfield because he was listed as a running back. For 384 overall um, in-line snaps in terms of where he lined up. He lined up for 43 overall wide snaps, 11 in 2021, and 31 in, in 2018, one in 2017. Kick return. So I did pull in special teams because that, that, that counted. Um, as you know, from that perspective, but that's outside the 1480 snaps overall because they're considered 1480 offensive snaps. Um, but just so that everyone knows, he had 207 kick return snaps, 71 in 2021, 32 in 2020, three in 2019, 49 in 2018, and 52 in 2017. Pun coverage, he had 64 in 2021, 17 snaps in 2020. 88 snaps in 2018, none in 19 and 17 um, for a total of 169 punt coverage snaps. There were some seasons where he had a couple of, you know, um, kick and punt snaps as well, um, but or punt return and kick return, but I, I thought I'd leave them out. I know he did return them at a college level, but I thought I'd leave them out because it was nowhere near consistent enough. But I thought, fun fact, do you know he lined up in 2018 at six snaps at quarterback? How's that? Um, he really has done like sort of everything um, on the offensive side of the ball, Connor Haywood. Uh, but before we close out the show, um, the next thing I was going to just quickly talk about was in terms of his grades. Um, so Connor Haywood had a career college grade high um, of 66 and a half. Um, of his overall offensive grade, according to PFF, he had a career low of 60.9. The 60.9 was actually in 2021 where he played a lot more snaps, 623 offensive snaps, um, which was the most, uh, you know, by quite a long shot by over 20% um, in his college career. Uh, his season highs was in 2018 where he had 66.5 as his offensive grade. His highest pass offensive grade, um, you know, highest pass grade, I should say, it was 2019 with a 71.2. Um, and then in 2021, this last season that's gone by, it was a 69.7. So pretty close. So his second best year um, was, you know, in 2021. His worst pass block grade was 53.8 um, in 2021. Its highest was in 2019, 77. But he played his equal highest amount, uh, highest number for pass block. Um, I think they had a few changes in their offensive line as well. So that challenged things. And he only had 18 pass block snaps in 2019. So that 77 grade is a bit so what. His highest run grade was in 2018, um, where he had 118 snaps. Um, his second highest was in 2021, but he only had one, you know, run, one snap considered a run snap. His run block grade, his highest was in 2019 with a 59.8, but he only had five snaps there, so you can't really count that. His highest above 50 snaps was a 57.3 in 2018, um, but in 2021, where he had 305 run block um, snaps, he had a grade of 48.9, which is actually a, a college career low. So I think that's interesting because overall, like wrapping all this up, is that you've got a guy in Colin Hayward that, you know, I'm not going to tell you anything new. 
I, we don't know where he's going to be used yet in the Steelers. We're going to see that through, you know, the mini camps. We're going to see that through training camp. We're going to see that through the preseason. You'll even see that through the season. You might, what you see where he's involved early on might not be where how he's involved later on um, in the season as well. So that, that's, that's a key thing to note. Um, he has performed well against top teams. He had one of his highest um, pass, you know, grades according to PFF. Um, you know, against Pittsburgh in the bowl game, against Northwestern, you know, two decent colleges. Ohio State, Penn State, he's always played well passing game then. Offensive grades are good against those teams. Um, you know, his pass block has been pretty good. You know, his it, his season highs there this season were against Rutgers, Maryland, Ohio State, Penn State. His run block grades have been pretty decent as well. Um, they do go lower with the better teams, but that's what you'd expect with you know uh, you know better defense and better rushes from those teams as well. But you, as I say, you look at Connor Hayward and where he lined up. This guy's got versatility across the offense. That's what you need, I think, in this in what we understand Matt Canada's offense to be. Where players need to be versatile. You know, guys need to you know wide receivers going to be used on sweeps. You know, there's a short passing game. There's shifts and motions. You want a guy like Connor Haywood that can do it all. And that's why, for me, he's the missing piece, um, I think, for the Matt Canada offense. And he's going to be able to do things that Derek Watt just playing, you know, hasn't, can't, I don't think can do, but at least hasn't shown us as Steelers fans um, that he can. He's also a guy that's clearly going to have a great work ethic, if judging his brother and his father, if anything's to go by. You know, that comfortability will help. He'll understand what it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. He's been close around the team. He's a good, hopefully he's a good culture fit from that perspective. And I'm excited to see what happens. Like, look at Trey Norwood. I think in some ways, Connor Hayward has shown more at the positions and, and, you know, and shown more promise in terms of making contribution on the offense than maybe we even thought Trey Norwood could last year. And look at what Trey Norwood did. So that, that wraps up this week's show. Stay tuned for more from Connor Hayward this season. I think he's going to be a real fan favorite for some, not just because of his brother. I think he's, you know, he clearly wants to be there. Um, you know, you saw that through um, the, the rookie um, mini camp that happened right after the draft. Yeah, and I'm excited to see that, that kid with the Afro um, start to do really good things for the black and gold in this year and beyond. With that, as always, go Steelers.